Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> Let's go track by track, huh? Let's do it. Let's do it. Starts off with the lead single, Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. This is perhaps like one of his greatest songs, if not his greatest song. I don't know. That's a matter of your opinion, but I've always loved this song. I don't know how you could not like this song. There's something that's so... I, I don't know. It's it's the message. Give me love. Give me peace. It's like, well, how could you be against that? And even if you are against it, Tony, his guitar playing on this is so great. It's sublime, man. And yeah. And listen, I don't practice Santeria. <laughs> I ain't got no crystal ball. You go. Yeah. So this was a number one hit. Deservedly so. It feels like the 70s. This song feels like the earth. And this is before you or I were born. Yeah. But I will associate this song with what a sunny day in the 70s would have felt like. Give me love, give me love, give me peace on earth. Give me light, give me life, keep me free from birth. Give me hope, help me cope with this heavy load. Yeah, this song is nostalgic for me. It puts me in, in the place. I always mention this place, but it's in the backseat of a Buick Skylark or a Plymouth Volari, if we're going earlier. Um, <laughs> listening to the radio with my parents. We were either driving to Iowa or just driving around town doing errands. But that this song was on the radio, man. And he heard it in a tinny way because we had a crappy, you know, AM. I think we just had an AM. No, the Skylark had an FM. <laughs> but the Volari no was at all. the Volari was just AM. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like this song, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's also playing a role in my love for the song and how I'm like, I don't know how you could not like this song. Uh it's just a good feeling. It's a good message and it's played well. Like you can tell in his time since All Things Must Pass, his slide playing has gotten tremendously better. Not that it was ever bad to begin with. It just got better. No question. He's able to play slide guitar in a way that, especially on this record, it doesn't have the Marwa blues Hawaiian feel, which is also lovely. Mm -hmm. This feels like blues blues slide guitar. Yeah, it feels it's, like, it's yeah. something no one else can play, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it doesn't feel Hawaiian, but it's also not like bottleneck style. It's his right. own. It's his own. It's his, like a combo of that, which is his... It's just pretty in its signature. Well, and the way the song ends has always given me chills because it ends on it's like a minor seven chord strum as it fades mm -hmm. it's a great ending yeah. it just kind of the song ends and you just kind of start strumming that minor seven it doesn't resolve right. and it, it's, it's a cool trick yeah and it's not just a cool trick it's a spiritual trick give me love give me peace on earth i'm ending in a way that's open not closed the song resolves it ends mm -hmm. the song fades into being open that's a very george thing that's cool man yeah well you know because the lyrics pertain to uh reincarnation of sorts uh wanting to live free you know of reincarnation wanting to just be in life or something like that maybe that's how i'm, I'm interpreting it and I get it. Like, I, I mean, if you were born George Harrison, why would you want to be reincarnated? You know, 
either going to come back as like Ted Nugent's love child or <laughs> a chicken destined to be a McNugget or a chicken destined to become roasted to perfection at Kenny Rogers Roasters. Order the new Kenny Rogers family pack. A side order of Santa Fe street corn is what I recommend. Teacher says, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Chicken. Yeah, I, I think that's what that song's about. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in your in your Manila neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, coming soon. These too. are the people in your Manila neighborhood. <laughs> in your neighborhood, <laughs> Kenny Rogers, Rose's employees. I hope they're being paid more than minimum wage. I do hope they are. We they need to be paid well. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's all over the the, the east, the, the 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 far east. You used to say, I don't know what Asia. We'll just call it Asia. Well, you know, you're a Far East man. <laughs> Another George song I Yo, absolutely love. We'll get to that uh, next year. Right, <laughs> not on this record. Um, here's something interesting. I read in Bruce Spicer's book about the solo years, the single is the same take, but it's sped up. That's Yeah, I read the same mastered thing. Mastered faster. I, I have this 45. I've never been able to tell the difference they said it's mastered to run faster than the album version to to brighten it up for radio yeah so yeah so i mean so if you're playing along to the album you put the capo on the third fret and it's in the key of f uh, if you're listening to the single then you put it on the um third and a half fret since it's faster third and a half fret <laughs> Favorite, uh, fa uh, fuck, I can't think of it. <laughs> no, there, I don't, that's a good, um, I remember Third and a Half Fred. They were that Right Said Fred tribute outfit <laughs> that played locally in the northern Leeds mostly. I'm too sexy for this Fred. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question. Uh, have we talked about this before, the B side? I don't know. Of I'm too sexy? Oh, I don't know what's on the B side of that. <laughs> I bought it for this reason, and it was I'm Too Sexy in Spanish. Oh, wow. It's Estoy Demasiado, what, Seso? He said Soy Tan Sexy is what he would sing. Oh, Tan Sexy. That means like I'm as sexy, right? I thought Tan was like um, an equal word. Soy Tan Sexy, came me more. Tan Sexy, came me more. Vabandonado, man. Allow me and my high school Spanish expertise to jump in real quick. The hook of the song translates to, I'm so sexy that my love, so sexy that my love is going to leave me. It should be noted that later in the song, he also sings, Soy demasiado sexy en el baile, which roughly translates to, I'm too sexy on the dance floor. Something I absolutely would have learned to say in high school Spanish. At one point, he goes, and I, I don't understand why, the guy goes, Soy tan sexy for Milan, New York y Japón. New York y Japón. Japón. Japan, yeah. <laughs> it was very funny hearing him go, New York y Japón. <laughs> I bought it for that reason in 91. I'm like, ooh, what's, I'm too sexy in Spanish. 
I don't have it anymore, but it made me laugh so much circa like uh, What? You sold college. that one back? How can you sell that one back? When I, dude, when I graduated college, I got rid of so many <laughs> records. I saved every Beatles thing, but yeah, like what am I going to do with Duran Duran Rio? It's 1998. I wish I'd held on to so much of that stuff. I get yeah. it, man. There's a definitely, yeah, there's some I'm trying to rebuy now uh, that I sold for financial reasons back in the day. Eric Spitznagel, friend of the program. You know Eric, right? I, I guess I do. Hi, Eric. He's uh, <laughs> uh, he's He wrote a book called Old Records Never Die, where mm. he goes and uh, searches for old records um, yeah, that man. he used to own. Yeah. And that's why they're now all like $35 at uh, the record store now. You know, yeah. the ones that used to be five. <laughs> it's Dude, like, oh. I love your reckless. Please don't make me pay twenty five ninety nine for a very good copy of Synchronicity. <laughs> five years ago, this was seven ninety nine. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's the one thing in a time machine. That's what I would do. I would buy all the four dollar records. Ooh, this is pretty cool. A good plus copy of Tattoo Use sixteen ninety nine. Are you kidding me? This is three ninety nine in two thousand twelve. Yep. Yep. Okay, but we love your reckless. And we love you, everybody. We love you, we love you, squeeze box. We got ages of the dope stuff. So in the record store, you can't pass by us. Get the album, hear the music, and hold on so you just don't lose it. Uh, Give Me Love will always hold a special place in my heart. It was my father's favorite George Harrison song. Oh, we love cool. this one. Yeah. And this is one that I think he performed beautifully on the uh, tour with Eric Clapton. It's a nice moment on that tour with Clapton and his band. It gets a nice recognition when he plays the intro of this. One of the best George Harrison songs Beatles or Solo ever written. And it starts off the album on such an optimistic, peaceful note. And then you get punched in the nuts with bitterness immediately after. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad song. One of my favorite songs on the record. Is but that it right? is a, It's a tone shift, my friend. I agree. I thought this was a very curious choice to even have on this album. Because it's, yeah, it's... Perhaps the only song that can't be tied to anything spiritual, even the ones that are more like love. There's a lot of like, is this for a woman or is this for a lover or God? Anyway, uh, yeah, this one, this is actually my least favorite song on the record. Okay. Sue Me, Sue You Blues is the song. When you First given to Jesse Ed Davis in 72. There's a square dancing structure to the whole thing. It's uh, yes. swing your partner round and round. Did you do, did you have square dancing in school growing up? Yes, I did. We had to do square dancing. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It was like freshman year of high school only, I think. I don't remember doing it in junior high. Maybe freshman and sophomore year. I thought it was the most peculiar thing. Yes, yeah, some guy would come into the gym and you play a 45 and, it, and you... Hand. 
<laughs> yeah, for us that was that might have been middle school for me, but yeah, I I, re- I don't know if people do that. Do people still square dance? I, that's a good question, and it made no sense to me too. I'm like, where would I? Where are the honky tonks in suburban <laughs> Chicago? I mean, in Chicago you had uh, carols. <laughs> yes, still do. I believe still Carol's do. still back. going strong. Yeah. Scarols, uh, <laughs> Freudian Scarols, I called it. Because <laughs> uh, if you've been there at four in the morning, four in the morning, it's a, yep. yeah, it's a scene. Uh, yeah, there's no like no roadhouses around. But anyway, yeah, there's this like roadhouse quality to the snaky guitar line. I feel like Patrick Swayze's bouncing <laughs> this song. You know, he's in the corner like. It's smarmy. Yeah, it's a smarmy tune, Tony. But yeah, what he's saying, first of all, the playing Nicky Hopkins piano, Jim Keltner's drum patterns. I don't believe this is Ringo in this track. I, we yeah, love you, Ringo. I don't believe yeah, Ringo's not playing these fills. These fills are incredible. We're going to play the I feel like this is his most plastic Ono band moment. Hmm. I feel like this is this is a I found out. Yes, yes, this is I found out. I mean, some of the the nasty piano at the top. Bring your lawyer and I'll bring mine. Get together. We can have a bad time (laughs) is the second fucking couplet in here. (laughs) uh, 30 seconds later, he sings. All that's left is to find yourself a new band. I mean, this is a middle finger. He mentions John and Paul in a sweet way in the title song on this album. This is not a sweet reference to his time with the Beatles. I mean, how many songs talk about joint escrow? I was going to say, I think it's one of the few Beatle-related songs to feature the word escrow. (laughs) Even the McCartney compilation for Fidelity Investments in 05 didn't have any any songs about escrow. I've got that CD, by the way. Um... Uh, yeah, <laughs> must collect all the records. <laughs> <laughs> this it was given by a friend who did marketing for Fidelity of my, my dear friend Melanie in the 2000s. Oh so I didn't God. buy it, but I do have it. <laughs> um, it has taken away with the actual single edit. <laughs> At any rate, um, think about how George struggled with and commented on money throughout his entire career. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean on record, tax man. All the conflict he had coming with my sweet lord. The judge also was funny talking to my attorney just last week. He said, well, actually, I like the both of the songs. My attorney said, what are you talking about? You said it was the same song. And the judge said, oh, uh, what I really mean yeah. is <laughs> I like the same song with the two sets of lyrics. It resulted in this song, which is upbeat with bitter lyrics yeah. on the 33 and a third album. He struggled, you know, handmade films lost money. He struggled with uh, Dark Horse was going to be under A&M and then he had troubles. So that's when it went to Warner Brothers. He sang about the, this cockamamie business. George constantly fetched about money. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's, it's interesting his approach, I would say. Because uh, a lot of this is, is stemming from it was Paul's decision to sue 
the rest of the Beatles in the high court to get out of the contract with with uh, Klein and all that. After he'd been treated like shit for a year and a half. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, you know, this is that time. And Paul's seen as the bad guy because he's suing the other Beatles. This is how George reacts. John reacted when 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 it happened, when the, the judgment went down and the Beatles, the rest of them, Paul won. Uh, John reacted by throwing two bricks through the windows of Paul's St. John Wood's house. So <laughs> you got to play it again because it's two bricks, TJ. <laughs> I was about to, my man. <laughs> Rule of two bricks. So, so, George, so whereas John is doing his primal scream version of uh, reacting, George, George is putting it on the record legitimately. Figuratively and literally on the record by saying, uh, yeah, sue me, sue you blues. Recorded at Apple that George is playing in Dobro and Open E, and the UK cassette opens with this song. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. hello, hello, Discogs. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, man. What yeah. an interesting that changes the whole album to open with this and not the sunniness of Give Me Love. Yeah. What a different experience. Completely. I think it was a contender to open the record up. I find that to be a very peculiar. <laughs> makes no sense to me. I love this song the way I love John's confessional moments. I'm not listening to this one a ton, but it, it, it impacts me emotionally knowing the Beatles story. And I think the playing is great. Yeah. Yeah. Third song is The Light That Has Lighted the World. Uh, another one that was originally intended for someone else, Scylla Black, who's trying to think of something to write for her. What do they have in common? It was both this like, oh, we both came from Liverpool and we both uh, made it big and have to deal with fame. This is a song about fame. Local boy slash girl makes good, he says. And uh, I mean mine. Our slate today, I mean mine. I mean mine, Yes. <laughs> on that page right now now this but he later gave this to irene cara for the fame soundtrack <laughs> i can catch the moon in my hand don't you know who i am remember the light that has lighted george says the strange thing about change is that people are always saying oh he's changed as if change is a sin but the whole of life is a change from morning to evening from spring to winter birth to death Life is change. So it's funny how people won't accept change, preferring almost to change nature itself. Would they rather everything were stuck in one place forever? I agree, George. I agree. You know who knew when it was time to change? The Brady kids. <laughs> Stick around. I've got some Brady. I got a Brady reference coming up. Beat <laughs> oh, your Brady reference. <laughs> Autumn turns to winter, and then winter turns to spring. It's not just the season, you know it goes for everything. It's even true for voices when boys begin to grow. You gotta take a lesson from Mother Nature, and if you do, you'll know. When it's time to change, then it's time to change. What do you think of this song? It's like melancholy. It's down tempo. There's a lot of down tempo songs on this record, which is, I think, a reason why this album hasn't gravitated towards me. And maybe it will now that I'm getting old and mellowing out or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not spiritual yet, but maybe I'll get there with this record. 
yeah, this is not one of my favorites. What I'm most taken aback by is the similarity to um, Jealous Guy. Oh. I feel like in Nicky Hopkins playing the piano right. on this has that very kind of ethereal feel. Jealous Guy is an immeasurably better song. How come TJ don't call it Child of Nature like the real fans do? Because <laughs> Child of Nature had dopey lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> How come TJ didn't call it on the road to Rishikesh? <laughs> oh, that, well, that, I agree with that. You should be calling it that. That way no one will know what you're talking about <laughs> like, in the real world, in like the material <laughs> my material we'll get to madonna later oh wait to hear those notes um yeah i mean the one thing that that he says in the song that is a lyric i've and I, you know i've never i haven't played the song a hundred times i don't know this one in, intuitively but the one lyric i really heard for the first time when i was living in this was so hateful of anyone who is happy or free they live all their lives without looking to see so hateful is so hateful yeah. of anyone who is happy or free is as strong of a lyric on an album of strong lyrics as I can point out. I mean, is he singing about himself? Is he singing about what it feels like to be somebody? I mean, it's it's a very revealing moment. Yeah. And when he hits the word anyone, there's that diminished chord in there. Yes. So hateful. There are so many songs that have either a diminished chord or an augmented chord in here or like add seven, add nine chords or whatever. Yeah, so like a suspended. Yeah, I've, I've got a bunch of those notes written down. Yeah. too. Yes. It's a musically adventurous album that because it's so well recorded is very prominent and audible. Yeah. Yeah. And then George, I mean, he used one of those in Old Brown Shoe. Like he's not afraid to use those weird chords, man. I. And I know John also comes up with strange John Lennon chords or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like George uses them with more, uh, I don't know, frequency, I suppose, or aplomb, if we're going to use that word. Yeah, but you know, you, you leave out Paul. <laughs> wrong, I played the wrong chord. I don't even care. Yeah, I'm a wrong chord player. <laughs> I'm a wrong chord player. <laughs> I'm a wrong chord player. I'm a wrong chord player. Here comes one now. <laughs> yeah. Not my favorite on the record, but also not my least favorite on the record. I like this song all right. Yeah. Yeah. My uh my note initially is uh-oh, now it's religious. Take it, Tony. <laughs> Yeah, I have very little to say about the spirituality thing on that. Uh, next up is Don't Let Me Wait Too Long. This was up for the single, right? This is going to be the second single in theory, yes, right? I think they even gave it a catalog number. They did. They did, sir. Uh, catalog number Apple 1866. Yeah, an acetate and U.S. catalog number was assigned. Apple 1866. Good year for Apple's. So I've read. Best year. If any of you have those in your basement, <laughs> apples from the 1800s. Um, yeah, I, this is one that is one of my favorites. I'm surprised it wasn't a single. This to me has hit written all over it. Yeah. 
It, yeah. it is. It's a great song, and this has a Phil Spectory production with the use of the timpani. Yes, uh, th- two which, drummers. Yes, which which makes it work really nicely. The lyrics are simple. Only you know how to dry up all the tears I've cried. He could be talking about God. He could be talking about a woman. It doesn't matter. The song's so joyful. A little bit like a waiting on you all. I prefer my George spiritualism upbeat and sunshiny. Yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> As opposed to preachy and, uh, yeah. And ballady. And ballady. Yeah, this is a great song. If I recall, this one made my cut for the our fantasy 1973 Beatles albums. Right. Uh, Players number six, of course, was my... <laughs> <laughs> I'm always promoting this fucking record that doesn't exist. You're very proud of that. Is it on Matador Records, Tony? <laughs> You're so thrilled about. Yeah, it's a Matador Capital reissue from the, the '90s when they paired up when they got into bed for a minute. Cool. Yeah, I think this would have made an amazing single. Some people speculate that it was withdrawn, perhaps because it was musically similar to a song by McGinnis Flint called "When I'm Dead and Gone." I mean, you don't want to get sued by McGinnis Flint. <laughs> He's going to sick Lieutenant Pigeon on you. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you've got your Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> what was the band they were in? The we all. Uh, <laughs> oh, with the, the Fleetwood. Oh uh, the, the go your own way. Yeah. The go your own way gang. gang. <laughs> you got McGinnis Flint, Lieutenant Pigeon, Huckleberry Hound. And they're singing Fleetwood Mac songs on a cartoon bus that turns into a thermometer or a carousel. <laughs> or a marshmallow. <laughs> or a marshmallow. <laughs> um, uh, we don't have to, if, this might be too sad to put on air, but did you hear about Lieutenant Pigeon's wife? <laughs> For real, did you hear? No, I didn't. What happened? She died. And um, <laughs> now it's Lieutenant Single Pigeon. <laughs> He's a lot like you. <laughs> So good, so good. Okay. Uh, trivia, George and Paul Simon played this song during a pre-taping for SNL in 76. Yes, I've never seen it. I've got the recording they did of... Um, oh, fuck, what is this? Here Comes the Sun. Why can't I think of what they do there? And they do a a, a, a Paul Simon song and a George Harrison song. It would make sense it's that song. I, I, I forget, too, my friend. Yeah. I forget, too, but it'll be there. <laughs> TJ is correct. George Harrison and Paul Simon appeared together on SNL in 1976. They played Here Comes the Sun, and then they closed with a beautiful rendition of Homeward Bound. Every day is an endless stream of cigarettes and magazines. 
And each town looks the same to me The movies and the factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I long to be Forward bound I wish I was Forward bound Home Where my thoughts are sleeping Home Where my music's playing Home Where my love lies waiting silently yeah, the next track on side one is called Who Can See It? And, um, you know, this one also has kind of a jealous guy feeling. I start to get a I little get bit, I get a little dragged down by the ballads from this point forward. Especially, we've been on quite a ride so far, Tony. We start optimistic, right? We start optimistic, then we get bitter, then we get introspective, then we get optimistic again, and now we're slowing the tempo down. You know... This one isn't necessarily for me. I only ask that what I feel should not be denied me now. As it's been earned, and I have seen my life belongs to me. It actually reminds me a bit of Breath Away from Heaven from Cloud Nine in its structure. She can move your soul without you knowing. She can take the breath away from heaven. This one doesn't really click with me. It's certainly a pretty song, but not a favorite of mine. This one evokes a lot of emotion out of me. I really hear there's like an anguish about this song. There's a few of these songs that feel like prayers, and this would be like a sad prayer. I actually, I quite like it. Um, I guess it's autobiographical. It's kind of about him basically like, it's kind of like when the astronauts went to the moon and then they have to come back down to Earth. Did it happen, Lib? Oh, you know who thought that was uh, George's buddy, Swami AJ, man. That was another one of his views. Swami, <laughs> you're a racist conspiracy theorist, you fucking Swami. Right, right. AJ Swami's bad news, in my opinion. I don't know if the estate is going to sue me about this, but dude, <laughs> check out his views. They're not cool. No, but you know, like when basically like he was a beetle and now like, I don't know. How do you navigate the world as a human being after you've been essentially to the moon and back? There's this weird, like, it's almost like it's his, uh, my way in a way. Yes. Especially the way he's singing it. And I don't love my way. No, but I, yeah, I get you. I get you. I don't know. There's something about this song I really like. And I think it's the weird chords. Again, augmented, diminished. I like the guitar. It's through the Leslie speaker. It sounds like Abbey Road guitar. Uh, I think it's a really great vocal performance from George, who doesn't get a lot of credit for vocal performances. Hmm. Simon Legg puts it this way. Who can see it as a plea for understanding from a private man living his life in public? I hear George saying, like, just let me be who I am. You know, I experienced all this craziness, gave my nervous system, right? The famous quote, just let me be me 
He also thought Roy Orbison would do a good job of this song. Yes, that's right. It's kind of ha- it does have a bit of an Orbison feel to it. How come the Wilburys didn't cover Who Can See It? And, and, and how come referees don't call traveling on the Wilburys no more? <laughs> how come the ref blew the whistle on Richard Dent? I want to hear Richard Dent say ass. <laughs> how come the Bears shuffling crew is doing it for you and not for me? <laughs> well, I'm a victim too. Yeah. Beyond the Bears shuffling crew, shuffling on down, doing it for TJ. Before we move on, yeah, we gotta talk about the fucking time signature on this record. It is yes. bonkers. It's cuckoo. Yes. I'll never be able to figure it out. Thank God I wasn't the drummer on this. <laughs> Keltner, good job on you. Keltner yes. doing math rock. So according to the internet, it shifts from four four. Okay, gotcha. To six four. Okay. To five eight. That's a time signature I've never played. Not yeah. sure I knew it existed. I've heard of 5-4. Five, 5-8 four. Five, with brief portions of 5-4 and 3-4. Like, wow, this song's crazy. But yet, I love, this is something he, he did on, um, I forget the song on All Things Must Pass, but there's this like lyrical vocal hopping around from lily pad to lily pad, like the way he's able to hop around the meter of this song. It's like happiness is a warm gun. There's all this craziness going on, but it sounds like a cohesive song to me. Are you thinking of I'd Have You Anytime? I think so. Yeah. I think so, yes. I'm, it's hard for me to remember his titles because they're all 17 words long. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> Except as Weird Al saying, this song is just six words long. Except for that one. Except, Except for that, that one. one. He didn't write it. Yeah. Some people think that this song would have benefited from the Phil Spector treatment, but I disagree. I think the song would have benefited from Mr. Kite. You know what I mean? <laughs> Guess who's topping the bill now, buddy? Are you, talk, are you talking about the horse? Are you talking about, <laughs> are you talking about the horse? <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the horse? <laughs> who's talking about the horse? Does anyone know this code? And no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. A. And of course, Henry the Horse dances the horse. DJ, this is one of my favorite songs on, on the record, if not my favorite. I'm impressed you love it so much. This is just one that didn't connect. I Again, I don't hate this song, but I I heard the connection to Breath Away from Heaven and it, and it didn't allow me to really fall for this song. But I'll give it another chance now that I've heard you talk endlessly <laughs> about it. I get it. You like it. Great. Four, four, six, four, five, eight, five, four, three, four. Uh, what are the most diverse basketball players of all time? Because <laughs> height doesn't matter, and neither do feet or hand size. Hand sanny. <laughs> Hello? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. Off the rails. <laughs> Should we get to the title track? I'll t- <laughs> sure. <laughs> Well, TJ, we've arrived at the title track. Living in the Material World, I think it's the longest song on the record, clocking at five and a half minutes. It's the only rocker on the record, wouldn't you say? I don't think any of the other songs rock. And this one here now is kind of punk. It's got kind of a, you know, <laughs> Ramones energy. <laughs> yeah, when the drummer called in sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And th- this does rock. Try to get a message 
It's a great song. I love what this song says. I love the way it's performed. I mean, uh, we got to get Nicky Hopkins for the seventh Beatle bracket uh, because uh, his contribution to this record is absolutely incredible. Um, When he says John and Paul in the material world, he's got the line about we started out quite poor, then got Richie on the tour. Yeah. And then that uh, the great Ringo drum fill. Yes. Is haunting and beautiful. Yeah. I dig this song. This is, again, this is another favorite of mine. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I love that. So so George name checks by name John Paul and Richie, all three other Beatles on a record. John name checks Paul on I Found Out. He also name checks himself on uh, Hold On John. And the Beatles in God. I don't believe in Beatles. In early 1970, he doesn't do it by name, but obviously Ringo's talking about John, Paul, and George. All three of them, a verse for each. He's a long haired, cross legged guitar picker. His long legged lady in the garden picking daisies for his soup. And I know Paul's written songs about John, but has, is there anything in Paul's catalog that does it just an overt reference to a single Beatle or, a, you know, the Beatles? I'm trying to think. Does he ever have a song where he says Johnny? I thought he had a song where he talked about Johnny or something like that. Am I? Uh, every album Paul's released since Press to Play, he says, was inspired by the spirit of Sergeant Pepper. I mean the Bee Gees movie, right? The spirit, the spirit on VHS. (laughs) What was I? I I think this is in the um in the You Never Give Me Your Money book, where they talk about how Paul's PR person at the time was like, yeah, um, driving rains. We got the spirit of the whiteout, (laughs) like, and so no, I mean, I mean, Paul certainly, you know, um, the friends to go, he said, was inspired by George, but he. That wasn't okay. overt. I don't know how long the storm is gonna last. If we're gonna carry on, I'll be waiting on the other side to be friends And he's got a beautiful duet with Ringo called When I Walk With You. That's a little maudlin, but it's it's a song he and Ringo sing together. It's a duet. I forget which Ringo is on Ringo 2012, but um, it's lovely. When I walk Obviously, there's Dear Friend, you know, and you know, there's, 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 there's oh, the John, coded, yeah, of course, the coded songs and stuff, but nothing over. I'm, t- I'm talking about these overt references where he's saying like John and Paul in the material world. The walrus was Paul. I've never heard Paul get that specific about any other Beatle. I don't think I haven't either. And Tony, along those lines, we talked about that line, John and Paul in the material world. Um, we started out quite poor. We got Richie on the tour. Then he sings. We got caught up in the material world. And then it shifts right away to the Indian moment, which is one of the more gripping moments 
on a Beatles song. To me, it's on par with John saying, I don't believe in Beatles and the music stops. And he comes in cold with, I just believe in me. He talks about how the Beatles dissolve, got caught up in the material world. And the next beat, he's clearing his head with Indian music. Yeah. And it's, it is a stunning commentary that I don't think I'd ever heard in that context until this research for this. Yeah, no, that's a great moment. And I know exactly what you mean. To me, that harkens to the moment on the Brady Bunch when the Silver Platters perform Sunshine Day and Bobby gets the middle eight psychedelic part. (laughs) Go and dig the sunshine. Yeah, that part, that part. Go in the same. You hear me calling your name. That's a great song, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Brady, actually, the Brady Six, the Silver Platters, whatever they're called, depending on which episode. Uh, <laughs> they had some good songs. They had some good you songs. and I have been doing a Beatles podcast since the pandemic largely began, and we've yet to mention the Brady Bunch cover of Love Me Do from their album, <laughs> Do Re Me. <laughs> You're right. And we will continue to not talk about that. <laughs> Don't try, let's not drop it here. We're going to tease it. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about it. It'll be yeah. a whole episode. Stick around. Uh, keep listening. Like and subscribe. One day we'll talk about Brady Bunch Love Me Do. I like this song a lot. Yes. Uh, the, the one thing that I find a little goofy is they take that uh, extra beat for when uh, George name checks Lord Shri Krishna and that little. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> calls it a comedy song in uh yes. i need mine he says it's a comedy song with a few jokes in, in case you didn't notice exclamation point so yes and that's him saying referencing uh, john paul and ringo and he also makes reference to that little flourish the flute flourish bit too i think Myself. flute flourish <laughs> flute flourish new from nabisco <laughs> new from nabisco find it uh find it over the counter at a pharmacy near you Oh, and it also ends like an Elvis song with the yes, whole like da, 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 the wind up. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. And what a great way to end the side with like a a, a note to uh, to the king, you know? Yeah. And Tony, yes. And right before that Elvis wind up is just a simple George, a rhythm guitar riff. Chicken, 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 it's just it's just a simple, simple riff that sounds so clear and clean right before the ham fisted Elvis Vegas um build. That's what it is. <laughs> They're not serving this tune for Passover, motherfuckers. That's a ham fisted ending. It does it does come out of nowhere. I will say, like, oh, I wasn't expecting the Elvis ending on this. Yeah, and it's it makes for a great side closer that that Jim Horn playing that that sax bit yeah that, great mother- solo i love this i love the honking sax solo yeah man wait the elephant's memory guy can't sniff jim horns <laughs> <laughs> whoa <laughs> wow <laughs> can i take that let's let's keep it and bleep it <laughs> i love the song too tony and we i we I don't get too in depth with this conversation but this song really did inspire one of the biggest hits of the 80s Madonna's living in the material world. Madonna and George at the time, 
uh, they had a relationship that was beginning with Shanghai Surprise. Madonna was involved in the handmade films world where oh, George was producing right. that with Sean Penn and Madonna. You're crazy, you know that? What did you say, Mr. Wazley? I can't hear you. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents Sean Penn, Madonna, Shanghai Surprise. Shanghai Surprise. Very hot item. This song right. was influenced by the title of George Harrison's song. And in a way, Madonna's also commenting satirically in her own way, in an 80s yeah, way. Right. That's a satirical song as well. So it's interesting. There's a direct connection both to this song and George and, of course, the relationship Madonna and George Harrison had. Which was not always a good one, by the way. I don't think George liked Madonna or Sean Penn very much. Mm. I, yeah, I know nothing. Uh, I know very little about that. Yeah. I'd forgotten about the whole Shanghai Surprise Handmaid's Tale <laughs> That's connection. Right. It's kind of what it was. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And, <laughs> right. and then Handmaid's Tale got a little too real. Well, George wanted Madonna to wear that red uh, dress with the bonnet. <laughs> I think that's... Because, you know, he learned when Patty started modeling again, his life <laughs> unraveled. So got to control. That's what AJ, that's what AC Swami said. Got to control. Got to control the woman. <laughs> Come on down to AJ Swami's where it's control a woman Wednesdays. <laughs> AJ Swami's. All right. All right. You flip the record and you get uh, the Lord loves the one parentheses that loves the Lord close parentheses again an unwieldy title. Uh, yeah, this is another one inspired by his buddy AC spiritual song. Uh, George says his life is an example to us all. Most people are struggling for fame or fortune or wealth or position, and really none of that is important because in the end, death will take it all away. Because after George died, uh, he ceased being famous. <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, Death took it away And now can't play Death took it away No, but I think what is Yes, I mean, so let's Okay, so it, death takes it away You're reincarnated as a piece of grass And you're like, hey man, I'm just a blade of grass But in another lifetime, I wrote Old Brown Shoes So, you know, and I got to bang Ringo's wife So <laughs> But, you know, Blades of Grass can't think, so scratch it. I'm not sure. I'm not spiritual. I'm not sure what this song's about. No, but, you know, you say Blades of Grass, and I think Blaze of Glory. Jovi. <laughs> Weeknights. Jovi. <laughs> this song feels preachy to me. This is the one where I was, as a listener, I'm like, all right, man. This, uh, what am I, at church? Get me out of here. Uh, well, first of all, Hozier, take me to church. Topical <laughs> reference. Hits from 2010. <laughs> DJ No Songs from the 2010s alert. Yes, I've heard Happy. I've seen Despicable Me too. Um, you want to like the song even more? I believe George stole this song from the Rolling Stones' Let It Bleed. While the chord progression's different, oh. you can lay Let It Bleed over the song and vice versa fucking perfectly. Let me 
I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I hear that like Mama told me not to come vibe with the electric oh, the piano. Mike Pence that like, song. <laughs> <laughs> the Mike Pence abstinence program. Mama told me not yeah. to come. <laughs> I love the tout production, the sound, uh, the lyrics drive me a little cuckoo. I love the sound of this song. I love how, I love yeah, the feel. Uh, yeah. I love the sound of it. I can get that. I can get behind that. Yeah. Some people have thought I was giving them a telling off or that I was implying that I was holier than thou in regards to these preachy lyrics. Uh, I do not exclude myself and write a lot of things in order to make myself remember. That's uh, George, I believe, in uh, I Me Mine. Yes, I did a lot of my research using the uh, I Me Mine book. It's a great book. Even though he says so little about things, yeah. he also somehow says so much. And that's George, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, George. Yeah. Um, great book. I like this book so much. I, yeah, and that's Jim Horn on the Barry Sachs uh, speaking to the music. It's kind of a Savoy truffle feel at times with the berry set. Yes, it does. Yeah, I kind of dig that. Yeah. Uh, opens up side two. Okay. Then we get Be Here Now. Yes. Yes, we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. This is a very dreamy song. You know, it's very, it's got the sitar drone in there. It harkens back to maybe the 66, 67, that kind of a thing. Blue Jay Way a little bit. No drums on it. Mm-mm. Or are there? I didn't hear any drums. Did you hear the Keith Moon take? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Lost Weekend. Because I remember not being as enamored with the song when it was played by uh, Ian Asbury, the guy from the Colts, yes. during the Danny's concert for his dad, the tribute concert. What's that called again? I can't remember. It's not Concert for George, but it's whatever Danny George Fest. George yeah, Fest, yes. Yeah, it's, I'm getting them all mixed up. Which now George sued them. It's got to be called the Fest for George fans. <laughs> I don't think Beatles were sued. It's funny. The fest for George. We love you, Lapinos family. If you're listening, (laughs) that's so good. Yeah, man. Um, So I remember being like, "Oh, this is kind of like I would go get a beer during this song because it's too sleepy for me or whatever." Especially in the vibe of like, "Hey, party celebration." But this is a part of him. This was like probably when him at his most. God, I would say like this is almost like closest to a song on Brainwashed, maybe. I don't know. feels like it feels like the morning after the inner light right yeah i i i kind of connected as i've said many times that's my favorite george indian excursion the major key stuff just connects with my paul heart <laughs> so much more um than than within you without you and love to you like i recognize the beauty and structure of those songs but I'm, i prefer the melodic stuff and this one feels like a mantra not many lyrics 
I love the line, why try to live a life that isn't real? Mm. And when he sings that, Tony, it becomes these diminished, almost discordant chords. It's kind of underscoring his point in a very George way when he starts to sing about why be someone else. The song changes. It gets darker and diminished, and it feels like the natural elevation of only a northern song. Oh, wow. Musically, to, to, <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah, musically, because, yeah, the discordant bit. Yeah, that's funny, man. I would never have, yeah, thrown those two songs in the same basket. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. This is one that I always found to be a bit of a, I'll, I'm not going to pretend, I, I never loved the song. The song to me always kind of felt like a bit of a snoozer in general. I like the upbeat George stuff more than a lot of the George ballads. Now, my favorite song of all time is Blow Away, which is a George ballad with a beat. I think it's one of the reasons I love Blow Away so much <laughs> is it's an upbeat you know, ballad. Hey, give me these, these goddamn upbeat numbers. <laughs> it's so good. Well, it, it was um, written in bed. It was like he was about he was falling asleep when the melody came to him. So, yeah, I think that adds to the whole idea of the dreamy quality of this song and the drone, the sitar drone, the the snoring element that you were talking about, the snoozing. I think all told, I've grown to appreciate the song so much more, and it's kind of feels like an understated George classic, the more I really think about what he's trying to say here. It's beautifully written, arranged, and performed. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Now, I love this next song. Ah, it's my least favorite. It's crazy. Try some, buy some. This song is crazy, and that's why I love it. This is a haunting song. I find it to be strange. Yes, what the fuck? It was written, I mean, so this recording, uh, this is the only song produced by Phil Spector. So it dates back to February of 71, first recorded for Ronnie Spector. In fact, she put it out. They put it out as a single, and it just it didn't do well, 77. And Ronnie herself was confused by this song. It's a confusing, it's a strange song. Yeah, it's not good. George George wrote a clunker. And I don't care if Ronnie's singing it. I don't care if it's Ronnie Spector, Ron Santo. Should have been in the hall while he was alive to see it. I love yeah, this song, I, I don't like this tune. And he can't sing it because he's singing in her key. I keep thinking, well, I mean, that's debatable, him, Tony. That's debatable because she was like, I don't know what key. it was a bad key for her. And the stories I heard about the recording session for Ronnie's version, are they're pretty rough. It was like she was just in a vocal booth alone and would do a take. And then Phil Spector would be in the control room telling like rock and roll stories for like 20 minutes and no talk back to her at all. So she would do a take and then sit there in silence without a cell phone or a book, presumably, and just sit there in silence alone in this vocal booth for 20 minutes until he said like, all right, let's do another one. You know, isolation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ronnie so. Spector standing there. <laughs> So why, why do I like this song? I, I, it was written by George on the organ. And so he's able to come up again with weird chords. It's all these diminished chords. It's all these like augmented ad nines or whatever you want to call it. Here's what it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm embracing my fears. Like there's a moment when the song turns with the orchestration, the Phil Spector, you've got Leon Russell on piano, Jim Gordon on drums, the Pete Ham is on acoustic guitar. Carl Radel might be playing bass on this from one. From Clapton's band. Right, from Derek yeah. and the Dominoes and all yeah, that. Yeah. And it, All Things Must Pass as well. Yep. Um, 
when they go off, it sounds like it's like you're on a carousel ride and everything's fine. And then it starts to like do the Willy Wonka thing where you're going down the dark tunnel and a chicken gets its head cut off. And I feel like this song is taking you to the end of your life and it's fucking scary and you're not ready. And I don't know what, but I'm, I'm drawn to that strangeness, I suppose. That's so funny. I love your interpretation. Mine is, this is a terrible song, right? <laughs> this is not guilty level. Like, that means a lot if you've got trouble. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> not guilty is a pretty good song. I love, I'll defend I've, if you've got trouble to my grave, to my uh-huh. try some buy some carousel to hell. <laughs> that means a lot I could do without. But the others, anyway. No, right. Is it like, do I think this should have been a hit? No. But I'm intrigued by this song. I'm intrigued by this song. I don't think it's a bad song, but I think it's an adventurous. Uh, I think it's an adventure and you, they got lost. That's what it is. I think they got lost on an adventure. Let's play this game. Uh, <laughs> I dig love or try some, buy some. Uh, try some, buy some. I have I dig love over try some, buy some. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more of you or try some by some Ooh, a bit more of you yeah see it's just nice when it fades back up <laughs> okay i mean uh, to each their own and i'm not you know i didn't see this the same way i just i i was just i'm kind of always annoyed by this tune i think it's a weak side of in george harrison's catalog this side too i'm not going to begrudge you that opinion i'm not going to try to convert you uh yeah i get it it's a weird song yeah yeah this next one is another one that I think Nikki Hopkins and Jim Horn and the string arrangement helps save. It starts slow and then builds and builds and builds and kind of becomes a great George song along the journey. And it's the day the world gets round, which initially it's always like, yeah, do I really want to? And it just it's arranged so nicely and builds so nicely. I end up really liking this tune. day the world gets round i didn't know george was a flat earther but <laughs> ac swami you know had some views and no uh <laughs> yeah the day the world gets round to understanding where it is using all it's found to help each other hand in hand so it starts with this it's kind of in reference to bangladesh and how he was able to like do the thing and get the money and do the benefit but then it goes right into uh the problems afterwards Losing so much ground, killing each other hand in hand. He's mad at the governments. He's frustrated that the governments have the resources to take care of these people. These problems don't need to exist. And this (laughs) is very Uh, relevant. uh, Boris Yeltsin, uh, uh, Mr. Bush.
I mean, and this is relevant today. Like, I mean, if you walk around anywhere these days, like the homelessness thing is a real thing and it's crazy. And it's insane that we have this increasing wealth gap between those who have and those who haven't. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's the same. Yeah. The day the world gets round to it, man. I, I, let's leave it at that. I, I, I don't want to throw any uh, cynical uh, lack of hope out there because uh, maybe we will come around. I don't know. Yeah, I hope so. It's certainly not trending in that way. But, you know, Tony, I don't know if you're if you're like this or not. But as far as I'm concerned, Tony, I will always be hoping, hoping (laughs) you will always most underrated song in Paul's catalog. It's the most. It's such a great tune. I like that tune. Yeah. This is another one. He gets criticized for sounding like he's on a high horse. Dale Allison, a theologian, also a biographer, comes to his defense. George nowhere claims to have arrived. He is rather always a pilgrim, always on the road, surrounding himself with a trusted coven of gnomes. Oh, wait, that last part I made up. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's still, metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> uh, and, you know, as, as the great Jeff Tweedy sings, theologians don't know nothing about my soul. Theologians. There you go. Yeah, exactly. It's a good message, though. It's a good message. Uh, and it's a real message. Like getting into what you were talking about earlier with that, how this is his Plastic Ono band. He's talking about an event that happened in his life. He's not being as, you know, like prosy about it. There's some poetry flying through here. But he's saying basically like, yeah, what the fuck? Why am I the guy that has to do the work? You know, <laughs> you guys who are in charge of things. How is this not getting done? It's sad that it's gotten worse 50 years later, not better, arguably. Yeah. Yeah. But I still have hope. <laughs> you know, Tony, I will always be callback coping. If it didn't work the first time, is it a callback? We'll talk about the next on Comedy Debates. <laughs> and that is all for the Untitled Beatles podcast today. Tony, it's a song title, and the better version is by Phil Collins and Genesis. <laughs> you know, they remember that's all? Genesis. I like Just Genesis. when I thought I was going all right. <laughs> Oh, you're right, TJ. That is all. That's the name of the last song on uh, Living in the Material World, celebrating 50 years on the planet this month. Yeah, it ends with another plaintive kind of heart tugger, in my opinion. Uh, these songs do evoke some emotion. This is another one that I I quite like. Me too. Again, his use of augmented chords. I believe he was up for a Grammy for use of most augmented chords <laughs> on an album. Uh, no, but... Uh, 
It's another one that you can also either choose to interpret secularly, as I do, or spiritually, if you're not me. <laughs> you know, Tony, even aside, I know you're not always the biggest lyrics guy. And yeah. sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Oddly, if the song really hooks me musically, I care about the lyrics less. Yeah. This one, even erasing the lyrics, you know, we talked in the Red Rose Speedway episode about how the Beatles fit in in the rock culture of 73. You know, I think that we talked about House of the Holy, Dark Side of the Moon. And for some reason, musically, this song has a Pink Floyd feel to me. Huh. If you even take some of the yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear an instrumental version of this, but the arrangement and the playing and the space of it, yeah. it's the most Pink Floydy sounding George song. I That's think. wild. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the credit maybe goes to that electric piano, Gary Wright. Um, yeah. I love that electric piano. To me, that really makes this uh, this song for me. That is His falsetto here, his vocal is beautiful. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't in total love the Sinatra E ballad singing on this album. This song is an exception to that. I think his, um, his singing and his phrasing in this is great and really underscores his message. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Sinatra because Andy Williams covered this with help from Nicky Hopkins, Klaus Vorman, and Jim Keltner. In the same room? Was that, was that like, I like, think they did it on Zoom. <laughs> no, I mean, is that like when Bono did Sinatra's duets album? They, right, they had, right. The duets album, that thing. They, that was AI. They were ahead of their time. Uh, I want to say yes, in the same room. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe they laid down the uh, backing track and... Andy Williams came in on another day. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll do. We'll save that for an upcoming episode of uh, Untitled Or we'll Beatles do it podcast. live. We'll do, or we'll do it live here at Google. Uh, one thing I did want to say, uh, yeah, yeah, again, augmented chords, funny time signatures. The middle eight is in three eight on this. So it's kind of like these. It's got those, the, the feeling of a cut measure. It's a good song. It's a good song. I love how it ends with an acoustic guitar pattern that doesn't resolve. I don't know if it's a suspended fourth, but it ends with this weird pattern that doesn't resolve. And it makes me think the album may be fake news. It's not all. Maybe George <laughs> is coming back. <laughs> I love that ending, too. I have that in my notes, too, how I love the it's it's another little unexpected turn. The end, it, it ends rather unceremoniously. It's it yeah. almost it's like doo, 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 and then we're going to go here and it's like. It's not oh. all. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Wait. Fake news. Now I understand what you mean. That is all. That is not all. He ends open. 
not closed. Again, the yeah. just like he does with Give Me Love. The first song of Optimism ends open. The album ends open. Unless you have the 2006 copy, in which case, which is lovely, the <laughs> right. vinyl goes right into Deep Blue. Yes, Deep Blue and then Miss Odell. Yeah. Songs that we've previously covered on our 70s uh, solo B-sides album. Uh, well, let's talk about those two songs for a second, Tony, because mm. when I heard, again, hearing the vinyl in this 06 reissue, and I think the 2014 CD and remaster also has those same bonus tracks. Yeah, one of them's got Bangladesh on there too, but yeah, yeah. Yes, I think the 2014 added Bangladesh, yes. Although yeah. I don't know that they're on the albums, but they are in the streaming and the CD. Um, there's four songs on here I'd swap out with Deep Blue. Hmm. And I know Deep Blue goes back a ways. That was the B-side to Bangladesh, the single. Yeah. I don't know, man. But I love it. I love it. I think it's better than three or four of the songs on here. Yeah. I know what you mean. To me, I don't know. To me, it feels like a B-side, and to me, it doesn't feel like it would fit. Um, the, the only thing I would I would replace it with uh, the blues. What is it? Sorry. Um, Sue Me, Sue You Blues. I would, repl- I would replace Miss Odell with that, though I don't think it would fit. I think it fits as, just as well as Sue Me, Sue You Blues fits on this otherwise spiritual-focused f- record. Well, I'm I'm talking deep blue. I don't know that I put Miss Odell on the record proper, but in no. terms of songs uh, like that I love, yeah, deep blue has always evoked a joy for me that not a lot of the songs on Living in the Material World do. When the sunshine is not enough to make me feel bright, it's got me suffering in the darkness. It's so easy come by on the roadside. One long lifetime It's got me deep blue No, I'm deep blue And then the studio version of Bangladesh It's good, I, I, I like this song I know it's, it's, I mean, the lyrics are what they are They're very, uh straightforward it's they remind me of song poems those uh, records that like citizens would send in poems hollywood needs poems for hit songs and then citizens would write these it's a whole genre tj I've that i collect these i've never heard of that well next road trip man i'm going to play you a bunch of them they're amazing yes, they are fucking amazing cuz they're so weird uh wait but- well then wait a sec then can i play you the soundtrack to police academy 4 citizens <laughs> on patrol <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, I should say Leon Russell is the one who suggested uh, on Bangladesh that George do an intro to like, you know, give people a heads up on what's going on. Why is yeah. this song happening? Uh, but I much prefer the live version from Concert at Bangladesh. I think it just has a better energy than the studio version. It totally does. At the same time, the fact that a, a song about Bangladesh became a pretty big hit is another weird cog in the Beatles legacy and story. So many people 
the Stones aren't singing a song about Bangladesh, and uh, Helen Reddy's not singing a song. Uh, all, you know, the 70s people who topped the charts, Elton John. George Harrison had a hit with the studio version of Bangladesh. It is... Uh, who else could do that but a Beatle? That's what's so impressive to me about the Beatles' varied career that nobody else has been able to approach in terms of sheer genius output. I'll never understand it. <laughs> That's what keeps me coming back. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, it, it's it's huge. And I, I love going through it, uh, through the minutiae, the deep dish. I hope you enjoyed this deep dish pizza of George Harrison's material world. Whether or not the pizza is something you actually ordered and are enjoying with your hands, teeth, tongue, and mouth, and the sense, your, your olfactory senses and your tastes of smell, or if it's a spiritual pizza, a mystic pizza, if you will. Shout out to Lily Taylor, who's a wonderful actor. Shout out to Lily Tomlin. Shout out... To Lily Wachowski. Shout out to Chris Wachowski, friend of the program. <laughs> Shout out to Chris. Yeah. I actually just hung out with Chris. He's going to be on the bear season too. Oh, I brag about celebrities. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, here we are name checking in the material world. Who's your most famous friend? Uh, write us a review. Tell us who your most famous friend is. Like and subscribe. Get us on the Patreon if you're feeling uh, less material. If you want to give your material world to our material world. There you go. There's the spin. And then we'll ship out a, a, a copy of Kenny Rogers Gambler LP. Sealed. Brand new. Uh, be the 10th caller right now. At yeah, call us. Can you sign it? <laughs> I will sign it. I will sign it as Kenny Rogers and I'll sign it as um, our producer, Casey Baker. Thank you, Casey, for producing this record. Where have you been, Casey? <laughs> Casey Baker produces the show. He's been in the salt mines of editing while I was working on that show. Yeah, and, and I was getting my swole on for summer. <laughs> Enjoy producing this episode while I'm pumping. Tony, in the last month, we've done two 50th anniversary records, Living in the Material World and Red Rose Speedway. Pick one. Oh, thus uh, far. Uh, Let's say it on the count of three. Three, two, one. Red, Red Rose, Rose Speedway. Speedway. Yeah, why, why, did, yeah. why did I just pick Red Rose Speedway, though? That was... Uh, <laughs> it's a better complete album than Living... Living in the Material World might have some better individual songs. Red yeah. Rose Speedway is just the better album. Huh. There I said it. Yeah, well, let's think about that one. Uh, yeah, okay. I just feel guilty saying that. Well, why don't you be not guilty? <laughs> well, because that's not a good song, TJ. The that's a terrible song. You said it. On the road to Mandalay. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> like and subscribe. 